2: Hello and welcome to Still Watching, a weekly television podcast from Vanity Fair. I'm Richard Lawson,
1: and I'm Chris Murphy. We're here to discuss the final episode of the HBO series Succession with open eyes.
2: Well, partly discuss. We've got a more extensive recap coming up, uh, and some exciting interviews post finale lined up. Uh, we just wanted to quickly jump on the line, give our initial reactions to what we just saw. Because it was a big episode. Yeah, <laughs> that's an understatement. And so, Chris, I want to ask you, just in, in the most general of senses, were you surprised at how it ended?
1: Yes and no. It's crazy. I literally finished watching less than five minutes ago, Waystar Royco's body is not even cold <laughs> to me. It's like, uh, it's over. It's really over. It really ended. And I will say, over the course of the show and over the course of the series, I'm not incredibly surprised, but over the course of the episode, I will say I went on the emotional roller coaster with them. Once it looked like Shiv had it, I was like, "It's not going to be Shiv." And then when they had that really beautiful sort of like nighttime kitchen king anointing of Kendall, I actually thought, "Wow, maybe maybe we're going to end with Kendall taking it." Um, so I was kind of surprised that of all people, for Tom to be the one to take it. That did get me. So yeah, I guess that's my that's my initial reaction. What about you? Were you surprised or were you like oh
2: i think within the context of the show it's probably a very fitting ending but in the context of this particular episode i got really nervous with the kitchen sleepover scene and then the like them watching the the dinner where they're all doing their little bits you know um, on on video i was like Mm -hmm. oh this is so long what a long strange trip it's been sentimental way for the show to go out how weird and then of course jesse armstrong and the other writers pull the rug out from under you they're like oh, yeah. no, "No, no you th- no no no! These, these people are not they're not sentimental uh let's all get along people and i think the most crucial scene that kind of really obviously announces the end game of because there's only a few scenes after it you know is this big argument in this conference room in the middle of the board vote and what it comes down to for me i want to hear your thoughts about the, the sort of final decision and we can again we'll get more in depth about it um in the next episode but i think that we see at the end the line of succession begins again (laughs) we see a pregnant daughter of holding hands with the new ceo driving off Mm -hmm. into the future i mean that's what we're supposed to take away from that right
1: right lady uh, yeah i feel like it's that plus it's lady Macbeth part two because i will (laughs) say (laughs) i will say i was a little shocked when shiv left the room initially i was like wait like Why wouldn't she go with Kendall? And Roman, does this feel plausible that she would pick Lucas after what he did after fucking her over so blatantly? Why would she go with Lucas over her brothers? But then ultimately, I do think you're totally right. It comes down to her being pregnant, her relationship with Tom, thinking about the future. I do think there's sibling animus there where she really like, if I can't have it, then I don't want Kendall to play with the toy. Like if I don't get Waystar, then Kendall can't have it either. But I do think it's a bigger, sweeping narrative, just like you said, where... She's thinking about Endgame, the future, her, her family and her unborn child. We even see that at the beginning of the episode where she does the closest thing you could ever see Shiv do in terms of like getting on her knees and like asking Tom back. She's like, <laughs> are there any positives? And he said, I don't know. But that showed that the door is open. They're not done. They weren't finished, at least on Shiv's end. And then once Tom, you know, gets bumped up to American CEO, that gives her access to power. Now she is, she wins. Of all the siblings, she won. But I think it cost her, probably her relationship with her brothers forever.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's apt that you mentioned Lady Macbeth because this is old, old shit ancient ideas of bloodline, which, you know, was thrown in Kendall's face horrifically Oof, by God, Roman. When Roman did that. And, and, and marriage and political marriage. Like, that's what prevailed in the end. You know, this is a British guy writing this show, Jesse Armstrong. Yeah. And like, that's what's st- what defined his nation for about <laughs> a thousand years. Um, Kings and queens. <laughs> yeah. And and how that, that lineage was decided and sort of governed. And, you know, I, I do think that Shiv you know, sitting in the in, I think they were they were in the Caribbean, right? Like something in yeah, Saint I think Jamaica,
1: yeah, Jamaica, yeah, something like that.
2: And saying, you know, I won, just deal with it. And you're right, she did because she kind of like Yoda looked to the heavens and said, "No, there is another." Well, I guess she looked at her her belly. <laughs> it's
1: yeah, like, she looked down, looked up at the yeah. heavens, and down at her belly. Like
2: here we go. And so, do you think? I mean, uh, I think we could we should talk more. You know, again, next episode about this. But like, mm-hmm. is the overarching sentiment if you want to call it that cynical like that i mean is succession saying this never ends
1: i have to say yes i was surprised by how as and you mentioned that before how sort of like blatantly earnest and a little not schmaltzy because that's a negative word but how genuinely earnest and lovely moments of this episode were with kendall and Shiv and roman specifically you know Summer party scene, and then watching Logan and Carl, Carl singing that (laughs) little ditty was really sort of sweet and lovely. But I think this shows that while they all had the capacity for that, there were moments of joy and connection. At the end of it, we have to go to the end, That the last thing that we're left with is it's completely broken. Their want of power and control and money destroys everything, right? They're left with nothing, which is something that we said might happen from the very beginning of this podcast, I will say. I think some of our predictions were closer than uh i expected and in particularly shiv being like really close the thing that kept her from being tom is literally that she's a woman lucas was like i want to fuck her and so that's weird if she's <laughs> running my company so i guess i'll just like you you'll do you'll do that'll do pig like you get tom so i do think we have to i do think it's ultimately incredibly cynical not necessarily of the I think of both the characters and also the status quo and how these companies and the thirst for power and corporate greed and whatnot is so great that even, you know, at the end of the day, when all the chips are on the table, when you have one vote, it's a yes or a no. You can either choose family and love and connection, or you can choose power and greed. What wins? What prevails?
2: I mean, it is. And, and I think that, you know, the, Kendall just certainly feels he has nothing, like you said. Uh, and, you know, but he has nothing in the same way that Caroline lives in a hellhole, a self-described yeah. hellhole in the Caribbean. Hellhole. Like, these oh. are still very rich people. And I think, I don't know, my sort of, the little, well, it's not a little part of me, but like, the little that I apply to this show, the maudlin, you know, aspect of things is like, I don't know, Was there, isn't there something cathartic about it? You know, we talked all this season about Roman kind of hinting in the first episode, like, shouldn't we be eating sushi and riding buying tuskies? Like, and there he is drinking a martini, kind of maybe smiling and you. Smiling, a little
1: happy, a little relieved.
2: And I don't really care about Kendall or any of these people, but like, maybe he can come around to that same like relief that I felt, you know, profoundly from, from Roman, I think.
1: That's interesting. I was wondering in terms of the last shot and thinking about Kendall, because it was, I mean, it is in a way it's Kendall's story. It's, it's always been Kendall's story. It's Logan and Kendall, but it's really, you know, I'm the eldest boy, even though you're literally not, but like he's always ha- had that. And that, those delusions of grandeur where he like has created this narrative in his head that he was the chosen son, which ultimately ended up not being true. Though, I will say the way that it was constructed with Shiv being the one to stab him in the back really did emotionally affect me. I thought it was really well-crafted and really devastating and hurt more than potentially for a Roman or for really any if Stewie or anyone else. I do wonder, it's interesting because it, uh, we were worried or we thought about, oh, like, it, when is Kendall's big whoopsie going to get thrown back in his face, re, you know, the death of the cater waiter? And Shiv does it. She does, like, it does come back. And that ends up sort of being sort of his Achilles heel. But then we end with like him sitting on the bench and Logan's bodyguard just sort of standing by him. So he's like still like always going to be protected. Like he'll always be insulated. Like I think he'll ultimately be fine. That's what I took from like the bodyguard sort of standing in the distance, looking out for him as he has his like a little tantrum little like sad boy pout,
2: or, or the security guard following him is is fucking hamlet's ghost <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> oh that's smart like yeah.
2: like he never like this black coated thing looming behind him it's just like he can't get away from it you know um this guy who worked for his dad you know who loved his father in some strange way like yeah i don't know i mean i'm glad that they didn't like have him th- himself th- kendall throw himself out the window <laughs> or,
1: yeah i know and whatever. i thought it was like, is he gonna throw himself into the sea like what you know yeah no i definitely thought that but i wasn't yeah i like I took it as like a oh he'll always be protected like he, yes. this is the worst day of his life and he'll always be fine
2: yeah well because he has this Im- immense apparatus around him I mean I think that in as much as there's an instructive quality to this show uh, I think it's nihilistic enough to not really bother with moral lessons but like uh, or, or, or rather it's I mean it's it's sure of its morals but I think that maybe there is a, a gentle prodding at the audience to be like, hey, it's really satisfying when we read in Vanity Fair or the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times when one of these families seems to crumble, when the Sacklers seem to be nominally taken down, at least with a huge lawsuit or whatever. Like, they don't get, you know, sent into a shack. Like, you know, they, like they, yeah. they, 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 they don't lose many of the levers of power, you know, and yeah, and yeah Kendall is still out there in the world with his staff. Maybe he's sitting on that bench beginning to plan, you know. But I think that what was laid bare in the big conference room scene is that he doesn't really have a plan. And the kids threw that in his face. And what does it kind of sputter into? I'm the oldest boy, (laughs) you know. And the whole show, Kendall's whole thing, gets boiled down to, I'm the oldest boy. He's not, technically. And I was promised this at seven years old. All of this, and then, all the sturm and <laughs> drang of four seasons from Kendall is just that, and that's pathetic. But it's how, unfortunately, the world works a lot of the time.
1: It's a candy kitchen in Bridgehampton. That's where the kings are made, and that's where you know that's where that's where this all comes from. And it is really, it's really ultimately kind of sad. And I will say, I guess it's a testament to Jeremy Strong's performance that I had, I felt a lot of empathy, even though Kendall sucks. <laughs> it's true. But then I di- I will say, I'm glad that the writers did this and I thought it was a very interesting choice to have Kendall just try to straight up lie about the fact that he was involved in the vehicular manslaughter. That was so um, grimy and terrible and just showed that he was all of these people. It actually really like humanized shit for me that moment. All of these people are willing to do or say anything to get what they want. Maybe Roman, the least of that. Roman sort of was like, I wipe my hands clean. I like, it's not me. He at least like cried about it and sort of grieved through it and sort of like, had his breakdown in Kendall's office and sort of came to terms with it and then ended up with Logan in that you, you're not serious people. We're all bullshit. We're all bullshit. It's all bullshit. And yeah. Roman sort of sees through that, which she's like, right, it's nihilist, but it's like, it's right. Whereas Kendall is still like like a kid, like a kid caught with his hand in the cookie jar, lying. No, I didn't. I was just making up that because our family was in a bad place. It didn't make any sense. And I think that was the moment that she was like, oh, I can't. I can't vote for him. He can't take over the company. Um, it's like a lesser of two evils, even though I think there's an argument to be made that they might not even be, Matson might not even be lesser.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a different sort, you know, and I think that Shiv realized that she had the power and maybe needed to break the chain. Well, except that she didn't really. She just shifted, you know, she, she, she cut a link or two out of the chain and then reconnected it because there's still a Roy in, you know, at least very adjacent to power, someone who's married into the family at the seat of power. You know, who knows mm-hmm. how long Tom's tenure will be with Matson, who's very mercurial and difficult and all those things. Maybe this that was not gonna be a long lasting thing, but yeah. but I think Shiv did see an opportunity that was hinted at all season, certainly hinted at by Caroline saying, I thought it would be a good opportunity to put this all behind us. Like, to be mm-hmm. like, you know what? Let's force a walking away. Let's force a, a not a treaty, a, not a peace, but a sort of like, no one wins, you know, um, yeah. in the short term, at least.
1: Okay, but do you know who also kind of did win, though, which is in so crazy? Uh, Judas Gregg. Judas <laughs> Gregg. <laughs> yeah. Greg yeah. may have won. I, I want to ask you this before we get into it. Like, I guess is the most genuine relationship, Greg and Tom. Is that really, is that what the show has taught us? Is that that really the deepest relationship that we have on the series? I think you kind of have to say yes at this point.
2: Yeah, I think they understand each other, you know, and and maybe Tom sees in Greg something that he can mold, you know, as he's thinking about becoming a father. Here's this older boy he's been raising for the past four seasons, you know, in, in a very abusive, horrid fashion, but like, basically what tom has always done is someone higher than him tells him something and then he says the same thing to greg as if he came up with it whatever so yeah. he has a dinner with matson and matson says i just want someone who's like you know willing to take the abuse a pain sponge whatever and tom's like okay i can do that and then yeah. he turns to greg later and is like you you be that for me you know like he didn't say as much but i think that we can infer that but we look let's save that for the next episode, we're really going to go full on this. If people listening to this have time, we'd love to hear from you, uh, still watching pod at gmail.com, because um, I feel like a lot of people are going to have commentary on how things ended, theories, questions, frustrations. I haven't looked at Twitter yet because we literally just jumped on a recording the second the episode ended. Um, Same. But I think, I don't know, I'm just curious to hear from people who've been listening to us all season what they think, if they were satisfied. Because I think there's an argument to be made that it's unsatisfying and there's the opposite argument could just as easily be made.
1: Yeah, and I may change my mind <laughs> by tomorrow yes. too in terms of how I feel right now in the immediate aftermath. I feel ultimately satisfied, though I do have some questions and there are things that I do think are left on the table, which we can definitely discuss, but it felt in a way inevitable and also surprising, which I think is how a series finale should feel.
2: Yeah. And look, when that last bit of Nicholas Bertel's music reached that real high <sighs> note in his, you know, we're riffing on the theme of the show, I got shivers. You know, this yeah. is big classical shakespearean tragedy you've been saying the, shake the s word all season chris like and it is you know it has <laughs> mm-hmm. it, 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 this was a tragic figure in kendall with all of the the big almost operatic swell of emotion from that music so that last scene if nothing else certainly delivered but we'll, oh, we'll, we're, we're going to get into it and yeah so we hope you'll listen to that full episode uh we just felt we had to kind of put a pin in this finale before it got too late
1: all right p Reiko. <laughs>
2: Well, that's it for now on this episode of still watching again we will be back shortly and again please do send us any thoughts you have about the series finale of succession um the email address is still watching pod at gmail.com you can tweet at me at rylaws r-i-l-a-w-s
1: and you can tweet at me at christress c-h-r-i-s-t-r-e-s-s
2: We'll be back very soon, and we're going to be joined by Vanity Fair's Joy Press, who filled in for me last week, thank you, Joy, to help us fully digest this epic 90 minutes of television. Looking forward to seeing you then. You get the bobble. Congratulations. It's haunted and cursed and nothing will ever go right, but enjoy your bobble.
0: We've all been there before. You're planning a dinner party or having family over or even just cooking for yourself, when all of a sudden it starts to feel overwhelming. Uh, I live in a very small one bedroom apartment with a very small kitchen. I can't figure out what to serve besides water soup at this point. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. Maybe it's a last minute party with no menu inspiration, a kitchen with no space? A toddler who only eat buttered pasta? Name your dinner emergency? We're here to help. Here's how the show works. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then, I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now.